This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary Gilbert. Democracy in America, Volume 1, by Alexis de Tocqueville. Translated by Henry Reeve. Chapter 10 Parties in the United States. Chapter Summary Great Distinction to be Made Between Parties Parties which are to each other as rival nations Parties properly so called Difference between great and small parties Epics which produced them Their characteristics America has had great parties They are extinct Federalists Republicans, defeat of the Federalists, difficulty of creating parties in the United States. What is done with this intention? Aristocratic or democratic character to be met with in all parties. Struggle of General Jackson against the bank. Parties in the United States. A great distinction must be made between parties. Some countries are so large that the different populations which inhabit them have contradictory interests, although they are the subjects of the same government, and they may hence be in a perpetual state of opposition. In this case, the different factions of the people may more properly be considered as distinct nations than as mere parties and if a civil war breaks out, the struggle is carried on by rival peoples rather than by factions in the state. But when the citizens entertain different opinions upon subjects which affect the whole country alike, such, for instance, as the principles upon which the government is to be conducted, then distinctions arise which may correctly be styled parties. Parties are a necessary evil in free governments, but they have not at all times the same character and the same propensities. At certain periods a nation may be oppressed by such insupportable evils as to conceive the design of effecting a total change in its political constitution. At other times the mischief lies still deeper and the existence of society itself is endangered. Such are the times of great revolutions and of great parties. But between these epochs of misery and of confusion, there are periods during which human society seems to rest, and mankind to take a pause. This pause is, indeed, only apparent, for time does not stop its course for nations any more than for men. They are all advancing towards a goal with which they are unacquainted, and we only imagine them to be stationary, when their progress escapes our observation. As men who are going at a foot-pace seem to be standing still to those who run. But however this may be, there are certain epochs in which the changes that take place in the social and political constitution of nations are so slow 
and so insensitive that men imagine their present condition to be a final state and the human mind believing itself to be firmly based upon certain foundations does not extend its researches beyond the horizon which it decries these are the times of small parties and of intrigue the political parties which i style great are those which cling to principles more than to their consequences to general and not to especial cases to ideas and not to men these parties are usually distinguished by a nobler character a more generous passions more genuine convictions and a more bold and open conduct than the others in them private interests which always plays the chief part in political passions is more studiously veiled under the pretext of the public good and it may even be sometimes concealed from the eyes of the very person whom it excites and impels minor parties are on the other hand generally deficient in political faith as they are not sustained or dignified by a lofty purpose they ostensibly display the egotism of their character in their actions they glow with a factious zeal their language is vehement but their conduct is timid and irresolute the means they employ are as wretched as the end at which they aim hence it arises that when a calm state of things succeeds a violent revolution the leaders of society seem suddenly to disappear and the powers of the human mind to lie concealed society is convulsed by great parties by minor ones it is agitated it is torn by the former by the latter it is degraded and if these sometimes save it a salutary perturbation those invariably disturb it to no good end america has already lost the great parties which once divided the nation and if her happiness is considerably increased her morality has suffered by their extinction when the war of independence was terminated and the foundations of the new government were to be laid down the nation was divided between two opinions two opinions which are as old as the world and which are perpetually to be met with under all forms and all the names which have ever obtained in free communities the one tending to limit the other to extend indefinitely the power of the people the conflict of these two opinions never assumed that degree of violence in america which it has frequently displayed elsewhere both parties of the americans were in fact agreed upon the most essential points and neither of them had to destroy a traditionally constitution or to overthrow the structure of society in order to ensure its own triumph in neither of them consequently were a great number of private interests affected by success or by defeat but moral principles of a high order such as the love of equality and of independence were concerned in the struggle and they sufficed to kindle violent passions the party which desired to limit the power of the people endeavored to apply its doctrines 
more especially to the constitution of the union whence it derived its name of federal the other party which affected to be more exclusively attached to the cause of liberty took that of republican america is a land of democracy and the federalists were always in a minority but they reckoned on their side almost all the great men who had been called forth by the war of independence and their moral influence was very considerable their cause was moreover favored by circumstances the ruin of the confederation had impressed the people with a dread of anarchy and the federalists did not fail to profit by this transient disposition of the multitude for ten or twelve years they were at the head of affairs and they were able to apply some though not all of their principles for the hostile current was becoming from day to day too violent to be checked or stemmed in eighteen o one the republicans got possession of the government thomas jefferson was named president and he increased the influence of their party by the weight of his celebrity the greatness of his talents and the immense extent of his popularity the means by which the federalists had maintained their position were artificial and their resources were temporary it was by the virtues or the talents of their leaders that they had risen to power when the republicans attained to that lofty station their opponents were overwhelmed by utter defeat an immense majority declared itself against the retiring party and the federalists found themselves in so small a minority that they at once despaired of their future success from that moment the republican or democratic party has proceeded from conquest to conquest until it has acquired absolute supremacy in the country the federalists perceiving that they were vanquished without resource and isolated in the midst of the nation fell into two divisions of which one joined the victorious republicans and the other abandoned its rallying point and its name many years have already elapsed since they ceased to exist as a party great political parties are not then to be met with in the united states at the present time parties indeed may be found which threaten the future tranquillity of the union but there are none which seem to contest the present form of government or the present course of society the parties by which the union is menaced do not rest upon abstract principles but upon temporal interests these interests disseminated in the provinces of so vast an empire may be said to constitute rival nations rather than parties thus upon a recent occasion the north contended for the system of commercial prohibition and the south took up arms in favor of free trade simply because the north is a manufacturing and the south an agricultural district and that the restrictive systems which was profitable to the one was prejudicial to the other in the absence of great parties the united states abound with lesser controversies and public opinion is divided into a thousand minute shades of difference upon questions of very little moment the pains which are taken to create parties are inconceivable and at the present day it is no easy task in the united states 
there is no religious animosity, because all religion is respected, and no sect is predominant. There is no jealousy of rank, because the people is everything, and none can contest its authority. Lastly, there is no public indulgence to supply the means of agitation, because the physical position of the country opens so wide a field to industry that man is able to accomplish the most surprising undertakings with his own native resources. Nevertheless, ambitious men are interested in the creation of parties, since it is difficult to elect a person from authority upon the mere ground that his place is coveted by others. The skill of the actors in the political world lies therefore in the art of creating parties. A political aspirant in the United States begins by discriminating his own political interest, and by calculating upon those interests which may be collected around the amalgamated with it. He then contrives to discover some doctrine or some principle which may suit the purpose of this new association and which he adopts in order to bring forward his party and to secure his popularity. Just as the imprinture of a king was in former days incorporated with the volume which it authorized, but to which it nowise belonged. When these preliminaries are terminated, the new party is ushered into the political world. All the domestic controversies of the Americans at first appear to be stranger to be so incomprehensible and so puerile that he is at a loss whether to pity the people which take such ardent trifles in good earnest, or to envy the happiness which enables it to discuss them. But when he comes to study the secret propensities which govern the factions of America, he easily perceives that the greater part of them are more or less connected with one or the other of those two divisions which have always existed in free communities. The deeper we penetrate into the working of these parties, the more do we perceive that the object of the one is to limit, and that of the other to extend, the popular authority. I do not assert that the ostensible end, or even that the secret aim of American parties, is to promote the rule of aristocracy or democracy in the country. But I affirm that aristocratic or democratic positions may easily be detected at the bottom of all parties, and that although they escape a superficial observation, they are the main point and the main soul of every faction in the United States. To quote a recent example, when the President attacked the bank, the country was excited, and parties were formed. The well-formed classes rallied around the bank, the common people round the President. But it must not be imagined that the people had formed a rational opinion upon a question which offers so many difficulties to the most experienced statesmen. The bank is a great establishment which enjoys an independent existence, and the people, accustomed to make and unmake whatsoever it pleases, is startled to meet with this obstacle to its authority. In the midst of the perpetual fluctuations of society, the community is irritated by so permanent an institution, 
and is led to attack it in order to see whether it can be shaken and controlled like all other institutions of the country remains of the aristocratic party in the united states secret opposition to wealthy individuals to democracy their retirement their taste for exclusive pleasures and for luxury at home their simplicity abroad their affected condescension towards the people it sometimes happens in people which various opinions prevail that the balance of the several parties is lost and one of them obtains an irresistible preponderance overpowers all obstacles harasses its opponents and appropriates all the resources of society to its own purpose the vanquished citizens despair of success and they conceal their dissatisfaction in silence and in general apathy the nation seems to be governed by a single principle and the prevailing party assumes the credit of having restored peace and unanimity to the country but this apparent unanimity is merely a cloak to alarming dissensions and perpetual opposition this is precisely what occurred in america when the democratic party got the upper hand it took exclusive possession of the conduct of affairs and from that time the laws and the customs of society have been adapted to its caprices at the present day the more affluent classes of society are so entirely removed from the direction of political affairs in the united states that wealth far from conferring a right to the exercise of power is rather an obstacle than a means of attaining to it the wealthy members of the community abandon the lists through unwillingness to contend and frequently to contend in vain against the poorest classes of their fellow-citizens they concentrate all their enjoyments in the privacy of their homes where they occupy a rank which cannot be assumed in public they constitute a private society in the state which has its own tastes and its own pleasures they substitute to this state of things as an irredeemable evil but they are careful not to show that they are galled by its continence it is even not uncommon to hear them laud the delights of a republican government and the advantages of democratic institutions when they are in public next to hating their enemies men are most inclined to flatter them mark for instance that opulent citizen who is as anxious as a jew of the middle ages to conceal his wealth his dress is plain his demeanour unassuming but the interior of his dwelling glitters with luxury and none but a few chosen guests whom he haughtily styles his equals are allowed to penetrate into this sanctuary no european noble is more exclusive in his pleasures or more jealous of the smallest advantages which his privileged station confers upon him but the very same individual crosses the city to reach a dark counting-house in the centre of traffic where every one may accost him who pleases if he meets his cobbler on the way they stop and converse the two citizens discuss the affairs of the state in which they have an equal interest and they shake hands before they part but beneath this artificial enthusiasm and these obsequious attentions to the prepondering power it is easy to perceive that the wealthy members of the community entertain a hearty distaste to the democratic institutions of their country 
the populace is at once the object of their scorn and of their fears. If the maladministration of the democracy ever brings about a revolutionary crisis, and if monarchical institutions ever become practicable in the United States, the truth of what I advise will become obvious. The two chief weapons which parties use in order to ensure success are the public press and the formation of associations. End of chapter 10